You know, as I think about stories, stories come in all shapes and sizes, and they affect us in different ways. I think about a story that affected my parents' generation so much. It, it took place on November the 22nd, 1963. This is a familiar picture probably for most all of you. This is right before the assassination of, of John F. Kennedy. That was a story that impacted uh, our country. And then more for my generation, this picture of 9-11 and the Twin Towers falling to uh, a terrorist attack in 2001, that was a painful story, an iconic story, a story that impacted multiple generations and still has impact. Then I think there are other stories that we celebrate, so many different things, like uh, this picture is an iconic picture. It took place on April the 8th, 1974, in Atlanta, Georgia, where Hank Aaron breaks Babe Ruth's longstanding home run record with his 715th home run. That's a story. Like, it's a, it's a story that people love to share, especially those who were there. And then this story is a story for really for our country, is, a, is really a story of accomplishment, of national pride in some ways. It took place on July the 20th, 1969, and this is the famous moonwalk with Neil Armstrong walking on the face of the moon. After this event, President Nixon said something that was interesting about Armstrong walking on the moon. He said this, he said, this is the single greatest event in the history of the world. He said, when man put his foot on the moon is the greatest event in our history. I said that in the last service, and there was a little boy about six years old, and he said, no, it wasn't. <laughs> he was right. That's not the greatest event in the history of the world for me. The greatest event in the history of the world is what when, not when Neil Armstrong placed his foot on the moon. It's when our God and creator, the Lord Jesus Christ, placed his foot on planet Earth 2,000 years ago at Christmas. This, in my opinion, is the greatest story in the history of the world. And so we want to look at this story just with fresh eyes again today. So if you have your Bible, let's open them up to a familiar passage and let's look at the story and just trust and believe maybe God is going to show us some things today that perhaps we have missed or forgotten or just need to be reminded of, of the purity and the power of the story. Now Luke says it this way in, in verse 8. He said, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, nearby the city of Bethlehem, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Now, verse 8 is always just a reminder to me to be faithful with where my feet are at that time. And that's what these guys are doing. They're just being faithful. I mean, they don't have the highest profile job. Sometimes preachers, guys like me, say some things about shepherds that I think just aren't true. It isn't that this, this, these were immoral, greedy, unethical, dirty shepherds. No, some of the greatest characters in the Bible were shepherds. Abraham was a shepherd. Moses was a shepherd. Joseph was a shepherd. And so that, that's not the point. The, the point is that this wasn't just necessarily a, a job that you just wanted your kids to grow up and do. You kind of maybe wanted more for them. But, but these guys were just being faithful with where they were. And God shows up. Verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, 
and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified, and of course they were. I mean, this, this really uh, awakens them, uh, perhaps in the middle of the night, uh, but, but it's just a reminder, and I want to say this, and, and I hope it will help somebody here today. There are folks that are watching online that are recovering from surgery, battling COVID. There are people here that are in the midst of all different things going on in your life. Verse 9 reminds me that God hasn't forgotten about us. He didn't forget about these shepherds and their lowly situation, and he has not forgotten about you either. Does that encourage anybody today in the midst of maybe the difficulty of your life right now? The Lord hasn't forgotten about you. Verse 10, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Verse 11, now the the news is what today In the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. In other words, Messiah, he is the anointed one. He is the one that is anointed for the most important purpose in the history of the world to redeem mankind. This will be a sign to you. So the angel says, here's how you're going to know him when you see him. Let me go ahead and, and just warn you a little bit. Let me give you a sign. In fact, the Bible is full of this, and, and we, we can see it in over 300 prophecies in the life, uh, birth, death, resurrection of Jesus, Old Testament prophecies that find their fulfillment. But, but, the, but the angel says this, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. Now, we're so familiar with that passage, like we've heard it all our life, right? But sometimes we don't just stop and and kind of look at it like we've never heard it before. The angel says, hey, I won't give you a sign. God just showed up, and here's how you're going to know it's a long-awaited Messiah. Here's, 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 here's what will be what gives it away. He'll be lying in a feeding trough. Not what I was expecting, right? But there's a lot of meaning behind that. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, so here is an army of angels, and they're singing, they're praising. I mean, this is quite a night for these shepherds. And what are they singing? Verse 14. The first verse, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace. Second verse, on earth, peace uh, to those whom his favor rests. What are they saying? The, the message of this song is, is the angel saying, the event that is taking place right now, we are praising God, God all the way to the highest for what he is doing right now because he is bringing humanity what they have needed most, peace between them and God. And so that's why there is so much praise going up because the angels understand the magnitude and the situation at hand. Verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone in back into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, I love this line, let's go. Right? Let's, let's, let's go check this out. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us. So that's really what faith is. Faith is not just believing certain facts about something. Faith is believing something so much that it would motivate you to obey or to do something with it. And that's what the shepherds did. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. That's Luke. And again, Luke, who's writing this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Luke is a physician. Luke's really into details. It's fascinating to look. Luke, that the baby Jesus is exactly where the angels said he would be. When they had seen him, I love this, verse 17, when the shepherds had seen him, seen who? Seen the long-awaited Messiah, seen the Christ child. When they had seen them, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. So immediately, we're introduced to the first evangelist, if you will, in the church 
but nobody has to motivate them. Nobody has to tell them to go and, and talk about what they have seen because that's the power of this story that they were so captivated by this story that they immediately went and told other people about this story. Look at verse 18. I love this. I think we need to be reminded of this. All who heard it heard what? Heard the story of the shepherds. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Now, they aren't amazed at the shepherds here. They're amazed at the story that the shepherds are, are, are telling. And that's just a good reminder because sometimes I lose sight of that. Sometimes in the, in the post-Christian culture that we live in today, when we think about the gospel or sharing the gospel or sharing the good news of Jesus, we think, well, you know what? People are turned off by that. People don't want to hear that. People are dismissive of that. Listen, people are still as amazed by the truth and the purity of the gospel today as they've ever been. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. When it says that Mary treasured up all these things, what she's, what she's really seeing is all this is come, coming together. She's beginning to understand God's plan unfolding right here in front of her. And the shepherds returned, verse 20, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I, you know that there's a real great spiritual awakening and a fresh movement of God when ordinary Everyday dudes are sharing the gospel and singing and praising. That's what these guys were doing. And so let, let's break this story down just for a few minutes today. And, and some of this, you know, and maybe it's just a, a good reminder and, and maybe it might motivate us a little bit more to be involved in, in our part of the story. Number one, here's the thing I would say about Christmas. Christmas is a true story. Some of you are like, well, really, thank you uh, for that. That's helpful because we did not know that. But here's my point. Sometimes we lose sight of that and, and, and the, the whole holidays, and especially as it relates to Christmas, it kind of gets sort of caught up. The nativity gets caught up and, and Santa coming down uh, the chimney and, and reindeers and elf on a shelf and all that. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not preaching against that. I'm not going to mess your kid's Christmas up. I'm, I'm, what, you see what I'm saying? But if we're not careful, it, it just kind of slips into some sort of fictional story. And Christmas is not a fictional story. In fact, Luke is very precise in his telling of the story. Look at verse 11. Listen to how he starts the story. He says, today in the town of, of, of David. In other words, Luke puts this story in its historical context. He doesn't start it by saying, once upon a time. I mean, my grandson, before he goes to bed, when he spends the night with us, he has four books. I don't know why four. Four books. He says, Pop, you got to read four books before I go to bed. Because we're all born little kings, right, or little queens, and it's just his world. So we read four books. Most of them, I know how they begin. Once upon a time, right, in a land far, far away. But this story doesn't begin that way. It doesn't begin once upon a time. It begins in a very specific time, in a historical time, right, that nobody, whether you're a believer or not a believer, really argues about. We know when this story takes place because of the characters, the political characters, if you will, who are present. Herod, who is ruling in Judea, who is a key figure in this Christmas story, he rules from 37 uh, B.C. to 4 A.D. So this is, a, this is in a historical context. It's also in a, in a physical place, the city of David or Bethlehem. I've been there multiple times. You could go there today, a historical place. What's so fascinating to me, I always share this, and I think I'm more fascinated by this than anybody I share it with, but it doesn't keep me from sharing it. When you think about the Old Testament prophet Micah, Micah was prophesying some 750 to 760 years before Jesus would be born. That's a long time, isn't it? Micah tells us, again, because he's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Micah tells us the city that the Messiah would be born in. He tells us it's the city of Bethlehem. 
right? What's fascinating to me about this story is Mary and Joseph only planned to be in Bethlehem maybe one, two, three nights at the most. They weren't from Bethlehem. They were from Nazareth, right? Joseph was going to Bethlehem to be registered because of uh, Caesar Augustus' census that was taking place, but they just planned on being there for a couple nights, yet that's where this child was born. Now, that just stops me in my tracks and tells me that is an unbelievable consequence or coincidence, unbelievable coincidence, or this is 100% true, right? And there's more and more of those prophecies that are fulfilled. And, and so that just tells us that Christmas is a, it's a true story. The second thing I would say about Christmas that's important for us to understand, not only is it a true story, it's a personal story. But before any, any story can really become, become personal and, 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 and real and true for us, at some point we have to be awakened to it. Something has to happen to sort of shake us, right, uh, out of sort of the, the, the daydream that we're in and get our, our attention. And that's certainly what happens in, in, in Luke chapter 2. Uh, verse 9. I mean, here the shepherds just minding their own business, and then the angels appear and awaken them to the story. Um, it's funny. Somebody told me just a couple weeks ago, and this has happened multiple times. They said, Pastor Brady, we want to tell you we, we so appreciate uh, your preaching. We've been listening every night uh, online, um, and I just I got my head just swelled up. I just, well, I'm glad I'm being a blessing. And then she said, you know, we just have such a hard time. My husband and I have such a hard time going to sleep. Just everything that's on the news and it's just so stressed out. And we just, we'll just listen to you and it's not very long for we're just, we're just, we're just dead asleep. That's 100% what she said. I was like, well, you know what? It's good to know you're making a difference, right? That felt good to me. And, uh, you know, when you guys are asleep, I look at that now totally different. You know, it's a gift. It's my gift. It's my gift to you. Good, good, rich, rich sleep. But at some point we have to be, before this story will ever become real to us, we have to wake up. Something has to wake us up. God has to wake us up. Uh, several years ago, I was in a, just a pattern of, of uh, walking through my neighborhood early in the morning. Obviously, you can tell I'm, I'm out of that pattern for a, a while. And uh, one of my neighbors, just right down the street, he, he slept with his window open. This is in the spring and the summer. And every morning, just right around 6 o'clock, I could hear his alarm just just. I mean, just blaring, and it would just go on and on and on, and I would just like, I mean, I just so wanted just to go and just yell into his window, dude, it is time to get up. I mean, everybody on the street knows that now. We're all, we're all up. But I'm going to say something about the last two years. It's like the alarm clock has been going off for two years, and if we aren't going to wake up now, we never will. Because I, I want to tell you something, and, and COVID maybe has done this for, for you and me. I'm not making a political statement about it because anything I say about it, half people disagree with, so I'm not doing that. But I'll tell you this, we're not in control of anything, right? We're, I'm quite aware that, that you and I, we aren't in control of anything. And, and that's been true all along, but finally maybe we're waking up to that. God, that, that is true, and we desperately need you, and that's why, that's why you came. And what we need to wake up to is this is a very personal story. This is a story just for you. Take a look at verse 10 again just for a moment. Look at this in detail. I want to I point out one word that you over and over again, and anytime you see a word repeated over and over again in Scripture, it's there for a reason, right? It's like God wants to, get, wants to burn this truth to us. But the angel of the Lord said to them, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news. Right? 
the best news. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. There it is again. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to, there it is, the third time you. And then right after that, you. Four times in three short verses, you, 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 you. You find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. What, what's the point? Christmas has always been a personal story. It's a personal story calling, from a per, calling for a personal response. Can I say that to you again? Christmas is a personal story. This is for you. I, uh, I, you're going to see a lot of this in the next couple of days, uh, these tags on gifts. Uh, we have a picture of that little tag. Uh, um, there it is, right? To and from, right? You got those? If you've been wrapping gifts, you've been putting that on, to and from. That's an important thing, to and from. As a kid, I don't know if your story is kind of like mine. As you, you grew up, you go, go to your grand, grandparents' house on, on uh, Christmas Eve, and, and one of the grandkids got to hand out the gifts. You, that was a big deal if you got to do that, right? And so you're looking at to and from. Really, in the to line, you're only looking for one thing, right? It's your name. <laughs> That's all you really care about. To, yeah, the rest of you guys and so you're looking for the two because that, that means that's you and me. But also, if we can be real, you also look at the from because the from matters. Are you with me? Don't try to act like it doesn't. It matters, man, because there were some of the froms that I wasn't so excited about growing up, right? Did you have that aunt from and uncle from that you're like, boom, every year it's the same thing. You know, it's a, you know it was a, a spending limit. They always did a good job of staying under. seems like under the family spending limit. Just, you know. Uh, so, and it, as a kid, do you remember as a kid when you had to go around and your parents made you thank them for a cheesy gift? Do you remember that? That was a lot of fun. Hey, thanks for the tube socks. Awesome. But you never were excited about that, right? But then there was some, there was at least one from, yeah. Because that from was the best from. Like what they did every year was the best, and you could not wait to open that from. Because here's the thing, the from always matters, doesn't it? I mean, till, to this day, the, the from matters because the from determines the quality of the gift, doesn't it? Two matters because it's you, but from determines the quality of gift. And this Christmas story, the simplicity of it, that's why it's such a personal story. That's what the angel says four times. It's to you guys, you, you, you. This is for you, and here's who it's from, the creator of the universe who gives the most extravagant gifts. So Christmas is a true story. Christmas is a personal story to you from God. And lastly, Christmas is, is a story worth telling. I can't, I can't tell you how many times as a kid that my mom would recount the assassination of, of John F. Kennedy as, as she was a, a little girl in, in, in grade school watching that and, and, and just talking about what she re- re- remembered from that. How many times I've told our boys about what happened on 9-11 because they were too young to understand. I wasn't there when Hank Aaron hit his home run, but boy, if I would have been... I would have told some folk about it. This is a story to be told. Watch what happens in verse 17. When they had seen him, talking about the shepherds, when they had seen Jesus, and this is what this whole series, Behold the Light, the one thing that we we hope happens here throughout this Christmas a little bit is that we could just behold him this year at Christmas, that we could stop, be still, and, and for just a moment that we could give greater attention 
to Jesus this year than ever before because when you behold him, the rest will take care of itself. The change will happen. He'll do it. Nobody can truly behold him and stay the same. When they had seen him, the shepherds, when they beheld him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. Again, I want to show you this. I mentioned it when we were reading. Nobody had to tell them to say anything. It's not like Mary and Joseph said, hey, on your way out, guys, we've got some cards here with just some bullet points on the story. If you wouldn't mind, tell five or six of your friends. We'll get this thing going. Right? We need you on the front, front end of this. Right? We really need to get the word out. And uh, we're going to give you all territories that you guys can take and go. No, it just was natural. Right? It was just natural because of what they had seen. And then, again, all who heard it were amazed. People are still amazed at the truth claims of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness and the hope that can come in knowing him. But let's dig into this for just a second before we're done today. Because I, I, I think sharing Christ or telling the Jesus story is a result of finding the original, really, in a flock of shadows. Now, that's a weird statement. I'm watching you as you're watching me, and most of you are looking up like, that, that doesn't seem to make sense. What do you, what do you mean sharing Christ or the, the, the desire to share the truth of who Jesus or share the Christmas story as a result of, of finding the original in the flock of shadows? What do you mean? Well, let's go back and look at the original story for a second. These guys were shepherds, and they were keeping watch over sheep, but it wasn't just any sheep because what we know, they were just four miles outside of the city of Jerusalem. And let me tell you something about Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. Sheep were big business. Why were sheep big business? Because of the sacrificial system. Every single day at the temple in Jerusalem, there were sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice made because, listen, sin never goes out of season. So there was always a need for sacrifice. But here's what these shepherds knew, that these sheep were merely a shadow, meaning that they were never meant to take away the sin debt of any man, woman, or boy, and girl. They were a shadow, a reminder that one day God was sending the original. He was sending the ultimate lamb of God who would take away the sin debt of mankind, right? And so that when they went to the manger there in Bethlehem, they saw the original, they had seen the shadows, but listen, when you see the original among the flock of your and my shadows, it changes everything, and it leads me to ask myself this question, what are the shadows in my life that I'm holding on to so tightly? Like we can hold on to the shadow of religious tradition in our life and basically trust in our own performance, our own effort, our own behavior, which is never a means of our salvation. It can be a shadow of relationship. Relationships aren't bad. They just aren't ultimate. Can I say that again? And nobody says amen to that. But that's true because relationships bring so much joy into, into our life. But even the relationship of marriage is meant to shadow the ultimate relationship that we have with Christ. We're called in Scripture the bride of Christ. So, right, your marriage isn't even, it isn't even the ultimate, right? It's a shadow. The original is the Lord, Lord Jesus. Our careers can be shadows because we look at our careers to provide for us, right? Financial security or our identity, and they're all shadows. And listen, you will spend all of your life clinging to the shadows until you see the original. And that's what they saw. Think about it. These shepherds that first Christmas they left their flocks 
Would you agree with that? And found the shepherd, didn't they? Right? They left their flocks there on that hillside in Bethlehem, went to the manger and found the shepherd, right? It's a powerful, powerful thing. Even more than that, think about this. My, my, my grandmother, she now lives with Jesus, but, but every year when I was a kid, we'd go to her house and down in the basement, you never got to open a Christmas gift at my grandmother's house, my grandmother and granddaddy's house until we read the Christmas story, right? And then we acted it out. Like she had full costumes in her basement, like every character. I remember hanging up. She had them. And so you would go down there, all the cousins, we'd march down to her basement. And it was like, you know, it was kind of a fight because you wanted the, you wanted the key characters. Like Joseph was a good one for guys. Joseph. Or the wise man, that was cool, right? Wise man was a good costume, pretty good role. Nobody said, put me down for sheep. I want to do that. But that's who we are in this story. Everything about, I want to be Joseph, our ladies, I want to be Mary, I want to be the wise man, I want to be the shepherds. No, in the story, do you know which character we are? We're the sheep. Why is that? What's that a metaphor? Sheep, sheep, are, sheep are dirty. We need to be cleansed. Would you agree with that? I do. Sheep are defenseless. Sheep cannot protect themselves. Sheep lack direction. And it was these shepherds who finally understood it when they made their way to, to the manger was a, a, a feeding trough, and they feeding trough, and they found the ultimate shepherd. They realized who they were, who they were, and what he had come to do—to cleanse them, to give them direction, and to protect them. And it all begins to make sense. And Mary is pondering all these things in her mind. It's like all coming together for her. You see, the other thing about this story is when you share this story. I have said this all weekend, and, and I've gotten strange looks. Sharing this story, I think, is a way to bring excitement into our mundane lives. Not everybody, this is a generalization, but let, let me just say this. I think so many of us are we're bored. Like we're, we're waiting for the next Netflix series that's, that's going to occupy us for the next two weeks in our home. Right? We're, we're bored. I mean, deep down, we know there's more. We know we're created for more. There's a longing to be involved in something that just matters, something that matters so much. And, and that's why even at Christmas, and, and please don't, don't check out on what I'm about to say. And it happens here all the time, and it's a great thing. It's a great thing. So many people, we get calls all week long. Do you have any kids who need any help for Christmas? We want to give gifts to, to some, some impoverished kids at, at Christmas, and that's a great thing. And we're doing that. We, we did that last or two weekends ago. And we'll, it's a great thing. But we'll watch this. This. Watch this. There are spiritually poor people around us all day, every day, and will be for the rest of your life. And what can really bring some excitement into the mundane and what brings glory to God in the highest is when we share this story, right? A story that can change everything for people. Because I, I think this, you may disagree with it. What are the angels saying in verse 14? Glory to God in the highest. Listen, the call to evangelize, to share the Jesus story, brings God the most glory. Anytime we serve, we teach, we give, all works of God bring God glory. Would you agree with that? Help people to see him more for who he is, pleases him. But listen, when we share this story, it brings God the most glory. And so I would say this as I come to a close. You have those people in your life, and, and they come up to you and say, you ready for Christmas? Basically, that means they're ready, and they're just checking to see, right? You got, you got everything for Christmas? 
And what, what, what I don't, like that's me. I'm one of those guys that's always the last, last minute. I just thrive in that environment. That's kind of who I am, right? I'm still going to pull that amazing gift right out of the ashes at the last hour. That's kind of, it's kind of who I am. I thrive on it. It's going to happen, right? It's a Christmas miracle. You're looking for some last-minute gift ideas this year at Christmas? There are dudes in here that are writing this down. Yeah, that'd be helpful. Why don't you give him what brings him the most glory? And that's when we share the story. Because Christ is a Savior for all. Do you believe that? It is meant to be shared by all. That's why the first ones to share the story, they aren't scholars. That's what I hear more from people more than anything else. Well, I, I, I just, I don't have the background. I don't know enough. These dudes watch sheep for a living, right? These aren't, these aren't a scholarly class of folk, but they had had a real encounter with the good shepherd, and they shared their story. We can do that. Keep coming back to what President Nixon said. The greatest event in the history of the world is when man placed his foot on the moon. But I think we see it differently, don't we? The greatest event in the history of the world is when God in Christ placed his foot on planet Earth, which he had created, we are his prized creation, but we rebelled against him in every way and defaced his creation in every way imaginable. Yet he steps onto planet Earth to redeem, to bring hope, to bring peace between heaven and earth. At the end of the day, it's kind of to and from, isn't it? To you, from God. And every single person in this room knows what to do when you get a gift that has your name on it from the right person. You open that sucker up, don't you? That's the gospel. Yet there are people here today, people watching online that have never opened the gift of salvation, never trusted Christ and Christ alone and opened this gift up. So I would say this year at Christmas, is this the year that your eyes are open, that you understand this was a personal story to you from God? He is the ultimate gift giver. He gave his very best to heal an impossible situation in your life and release you from a debt that you have been running from your whole life and you can never escape, but that he perfectly paid for on the cross. So for somebody today, it's time to open that gift up. And we do that by faith, by trusting Christ and Christ alone. And for the rest of us, it's a reminder, those that have opened the gift up, to relook at the gift and share the story.
Jesus, we thank you that what you did when you stepped onto planet Earth is the greatest story in the history of the world. It almost makes us say, Neil, who? In light of who you are and what you've done. Father, today, I pray in this place, in this moment, that there perhaps are multiple people that see for the first time in their life Christmas as a personal story. They've never seen it that way. A true story, a personal story. And it's maybe even because someone has shared that story with them that they're here today. And today they're ready to place their faith and trust in you, Lord, and open this gift up. And receive an extravagant gift that completely covers their entire sin debt. A gift that shows them that they are now adopted in your family. Father, I pray that that's happening even as we speak. In Jesus' name.